Hello and welcome to Letters Home. I'm your host, George Leach. This is episode 15. The first letter was written on May 29, 1943. However, the envelope is dated June 8th, and that's why it wasn't in the last episode. Dear Mom, Dad, and all. Hello, everybody. This is about the fourth time I sat down to write you a letter, but I seem to always put it off because I expect a letter to come and I'll have something to answer. I haven't had any mail for over a week now. I suppose I'll get it all in one bunch, though. Well, I finally got myself some transportation. Yep, I was issued a bike. A swell one, too. You see, they issue bikes to the boys that have a long way to go to work. For the past weeks, I've been riding all over this beautiful country. It's really nice here. I'll have to bring you here for a vacation after the lights go on again. Say, Mom, we could receive packages here, but they are not to exceed five pounds completely wrapped. So if it's not too much trouble for you, I would like to get some tea. You see, tea is rationed here, but not coffee. And at the place where I work, we have a stove and cooking utensils. And every once in a while, we would like a cup of tea. Another thing hard to get is a box of candy. Also a few hankies, and that ought to be enough for a while. Of course, if it's too much trouble getting it, forget about it. We sure do have it nice out here. We even have a table to write on, while back there we had none. You know, it seems as if I always get into a barrack with a jolly bunch of fellows. We sometimes laugh ourselves to sleep. Last night around midnight, somebody brought a goat into the barrack, and it started to crawl into the bed with the fellows. Talk about a laugh. Oh well. Such is life. How's our neighbors back home? The Box, Hintzes, Poulters, Swartex? I'll write them a letter one of these days. Say hello to Bill, the mailman, Mr. Keys, the coffee man. Is Cressna still working? I suppose my two comms are fishing if they have a chance. Give my best regards to everybody. Did Paul get his bike yet? How's Johnny acting up? How's Pop feeling? Cheerio! Your son, George. P.S. Special hello to Mike and Chuck. The next letter is one he wrote to his brothers, John and Paul. It's on one of the smaller V-mail service letters. June 3rd, 1943. Howdy, fellows. How's my boys? I just got a letter from Helen dated the 7th of May. It took that one quite a while to reach me. Helen tells me, you're a pin boy, John. Nice going, John, old man. How's the schoolwork? Well, Paul, I see you're still plugging away for your bike. It's as I told Helen, and I still say it. I'll help you get it. Today, I tried to get my money order, but I have to wait a few days before I get it. So tell mom it will get home as soon as possible. You guys should be getting out of school for summer vacation pretty soon, I suppose. Hey, John. Are you on the honor roll, or will you be? How's your bike coming, John? Have you boys been doing much fishing lately? Let me know the results. John, don't forget to hold on to my rod and reel when you cast it. I remember you threw it in the middle of the river once. Well, fellows, this is all for now. Say hello to all for me. Your brother. George.
June 5th, 1943. Dear mom, dad, and all. Well, how's everybody back home? I'm feeling fine and I'm eating like a horse, only not the same thing a horse eats. I finally got the money order for you, mom. You'll find it enclosed in this letter. Say, mom, I promise to help pay for Polly's bike. So when Helen goes down to get it for him, would you donate some money from this money order? It will sort of be a present to Paul from you and me. Do you know how much I had to pay to get this money order? Well, it was 12 pounds, 8 shillings, and 9 pence. Sounds muddling, doesn't it? The other day, I went to an auction sale with three of my buddies, and we really had a swell time. The only time we started a bid was when they had food for auction. We bought 14 eggs, two jars of plums, the kind you can, one jar of jelly, grape, and a gas mask canister to put the eggs in. It was really funny when they put the plums for auction. You see, we had it figured out between us that only one of us bid for the food while the rest of us kept quiet and later we would split the food up. So, somebody bids three shillings. My buddy Abe says four. I didn't know he said it, so I yells five. The people start laughing when Abe tells me to shut up because he's bidding. In the meantime, somebody bids six, so Abe comes back with seven. Well, it looks as if we got it, but Al, another of the gang, pipes up with eight. We just stood and laughed at him with the other people. Well, we had lots of fun anyway. The reason we buy eggs when we can is because they, the cooks, serve us only powdered eggs. And after a while of that, you just water at the mouth for a fried egg. Boy, they were good when I fried them. Give my best regards to the family, Cresna and Calm and all. I'm going to get some fish and chips tonight. They sell it three nights a week. Very good, too. Your son, George. June 12th, 1943. Saturday, 3 p.m. Dear Mom, Dad, and all. Your May 27th letter arrived yesterday along with six other letters, so it looks as if my mail is coming in pretty good now. Sure was good to hear from home. Incidentally, Johnny's and Steve's letter arrived yesterday. The pictures you folks took on Mother's Day came out pretty good. I see Chuck's hair is just as curly as ever. I got a V-mail letter from our neighbor Mrs. Pulcher that will be answered very soon. By the way, who does Helen borrow the typewriter from when she writes those V-mail letters? I don't know of any of the folks around our place that have one. In different and darker ink, in parentheses it says, time out for tea. Then, back again. So, our fair city of Detroit is all wet due to the rains. That's too bad, cause our garden won't get nowhere if it's full of water. Let me know when you get started planting. How's Mike's car running? Will it still go to Utica and back like it used to? Is Mike still working hard? Tell him hello from his buddy and co-sabotage pilot of the car. Tell Yankee John thanks for the note, I mean letter he wrote. So, our bike is on the bum again. What did he run into this time? I can see bloodshed on the way if Polly gets his bike and Johnny's crate is laid up. Oh well. What's good of having a family if you can't take a swing at them every once in a while? Of course, I never fought when I was a kid. Not much anyway. Even if I did, you didn't see the half of it anyway. Ask Helen. She was good too. I know she never threw jello or mashed potatoes into other people's faces or spilled tomato juice or had a bowl of rice dumped on her head. Heck no. Helen didn't do anything alone. I always helped her. 
Does she still hang her shoes on the wall lights in the front room? Or did she stop that after I came into the army? Anyways, she never broke no windows like one of her brothers I know of. Tell Steve thanks also for participating in the letter to me. I hope they had a nice time in Pensy. I'll write to him one of these days. How's my buddy Charlie feeling? Still taking good care of our room, I'll bet. Tell him hello for me. Well, Mom, I guess I'll close the gossip column for now. Hope to hear from you soon. Your son, George. P.S. Best regards all. P.P.S. I finally got a letter from Wally. He uses the poor excuse of no stationery for not writing. Boy, wait till I write him. Thoughts about episode 15. I have quite a few this time. In the first letter, Gigi mentions coming back to England for a vacation after the lights go on again. This wording made me curious, so I looked into it, and it seems to be a reference to a popular song that reached the top of the charts in 1943. When the Lights Go On Again was recorded by Vaughn Monroe and expresses hope for an end to the war. It was also often performed by Vera Lynn. The title is from lyrics found throughout the song. It also inspired a musical about a family living in England during the war and ends in a VE Day party. Here's a little bit of the song. When the lights go on again All over the world And the boys are home again All over the world In the letter to his brothers, he mentioned that John was a pinboy. I looked this up too. In the era of bowling before mechanical advancements that we have now in bowling alleys, fallen pins had to be removed and stood back up by hand. So the perfect candidates to fulfill this job were young boys, usually around 9 or 10 years old. They set and removed pins and also lifted the bowling balls into a return chute. They worked in bar-like atmospheres and usually late at night. They were often blamed by bowlers for interfering too soon and it's reported that they received about a dollar a day as well as several bruises for their hard work. Hopefully it wasn't too bad on John. Gigi mentioned V-mail letters, which first appeared in episode 14. Some of these are hard to read, especially the one in this episode. It's dark and looks like a copy. So I looked into these V-mail letters. So I got some information on them from a book called Mail Shot. History of the Forces Postal Service. The V stands for victory and V-mail was the primary and secure method for corresponding with soldiers during World War II. It was implemented to reduce the cost of transferring original letters through the military postal system. So a V-mail letter would be censored, then photographed and transported as thumbnail-sized images in negative microfilm. Once it arrived at its destination, the negative was then printed at 60% of the original document size. This drastically helped reduce shipping weights and bulk. For example, 37 mailbags would be required for 150,000 one-page letters, but that could be replaced by a single mail sack for the same number of V-mail letters. These letters really make me think about how times have changed since they were written. And not the V-mail letters, but these letters from Gigi. This episode has probably done that more than any other episode so far. Listening to the song when the lights go on again really just makes you feel the different era. It just really makes it seem like it was a different time. And in a time of such darkness, one where the war impacted the whole world, food was rationed, 
lives were lost. This song makes you feel the optimism and hope of those looking forward to better times. Not only the optimistic outlook of that song, but also the fact that there were pin boys. Gigi also couldn't think of anyone he knew who had a typewriter. All of these things really bring to mind how different times were then and now. And by no means do I use top-notch recording equipment or computer hardware and software to put this podcast together. It's done with equipment and technology that is all pretty much commonplace nowadays for just about everyone living in developed countries. A smartphone, computer, some editing software. However, reading about the typewriter situation, it really makes you think about how far we've come. Would people during that era even been able to imagine all the things we take for granted now? Not just technology, but food and easy access to everything. Most of these things impact the world and how people live in major ways, but another thing that stood out to me in this episode, some things don't change with time. Gigi expressed his joy of riding around on a bike and exploring the country of England. And that remains to this day that, you know, going out and exploring on a bike, having fun, it's still the same. I wonder what else will be so relatable and timeless in these letters. I hope there's more. I'm gonna be optimistic that there are. Find out soon on future episodes of Letters Home. This has been Letters Home. Letters Home features music by Scott Buckley. Music by Scott Buckley can be found at www.scottbuckley.com.au. Thanks for listening and tune in next week to Letters Home.